Welcome to the Poultry Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Here, engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Poultry Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve poultry health, welfare, performance, and food safety. Hi, my name is Caroline Stocks of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Assistant Professor Shauna Weimer, who's the Director of the Centre for Food Animal Welfare at the University of Arkansas. Shauna, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you've looked at broiler breeds and specifically how breeds might affect resistance to different types of, of salmonella that can make people sick. Can you just kick off by telling us a little bit about what the trends are for, for broiler breeds at the moment? There's a lot of research looking into uh, different broiler breeds and how their welfare might differ um, in direct comparisons of those breeds in the same systems. But salmonella, the, the prevalence of salmonella varies greatly from facility to facility in broiler production and can be affected by a whole bunch of things, environment uh, and, and management factors. So many research groups have looked at those environmental and management factors, both within certain systems and across certain systems for decades. The factors that contribute to the prevalence of salmonella inside of the bird are less well known and less defined. So to answer your question, there really is no trend with broiler breeds specific to salmonella prevalence. And so we still don't know what these differences are with different breeds when it comes to foodborne pathogens. But in terms of just general production trends at the minute, are people going more for those, those fast breeding birds or is welfare becoming more of an issue and they're looking at the slower ones? I would say that in terms of, you know, replacing conventional birds with slow growing breeds, that really hasn't, um, hasn't come to fruition or happened in the United States that's more prevalent in Europe. I would say, um, and there's more pressure here in the United States, but uh, still most of the production is with the conventional breeds or what we would call conventional in the United States. And that's broilers from genetic lines that reach market weight around 42 days of age. Now in your study, you challenged different breeds uh, with salmonella. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, which breeds you looked at and, and how did they differ? Yes, so we challenged uh, the conventional broiler that I just mentioned that reaches market weight around 42 days of age, and they were from um, the company Aviagen. And then we also challenged um, broilers from a slow growing line that reached market weight at 63 days of age, and they were from uh, Hubbard Genetics Company. And we had, um, we started with 312 birds total and um, challenged half of them with Salmonella typhimurium uh, at day uh, 14 of age. So just going into a little bit more detail than about, about your study, can you just uh, explain how old were the birds um, what, that were involved in the study um, and, and exactly how was the study conducted? So the aim of the study was to evaluate the differences in performance, immune response, gut morphology, uh, gut microbiome, and the behavior of these two different lines. And we raised them in the same pen um, with litter shavings so they could establish the same gut microbiome because chicks will you know, peck and uh, consume what, what's called myconium or it's the, the early fecal dropping so they could establish the same microbiome. So um, on day seven of age, 
We then move them to the BSL-2 isolators. And one week later on day 14 of age, we challenged half of the birds from each, lot, uh, each breed with Salmonella typhimerium. And that was via oral gavage. And why did you go for typhimerium? Well, that is because Salmonella typhimerium is one of the most prevalent foodborne pathogens in poultry. Um, and it continues to be a prevalent foodborne pathogen from poultry because it doesn't cause illness in poultry, or in other words, they're asymptomatic carriers. And how did you, um, how did you evaluate the impact of the challenge? We took all sorts of measures um, and we measured body weight, plasma, immunoglobulins, IgG and IgA. We looked at gut morphology, so ileal and jejunal, villus height and crypt depth. And we looked at the cecal and ileal microbiome alpha and beta diversity. We also looked at behavior. So sitting, standing, walking, eating, drinking, greening, stretching, sham foraging. And we say sham foraging because they were in the isolators and, and foraging usually involves a, a substrate that they're manipulating. Um, allopreening, which is preening each other. That's a social behavior and aggression. And we looked at those behaviors at four time points from day 12 to 23. And what were your main findings? Well, really the, the biggest finding was that breed had a much greater impact on all of our measures than did challenge. There were very minimal, um, clear differences in the challenge. So we found that the conventional broilers obviously were heavier because they're faster growing than the slow growing. And they had an earlier increase in IgG, the immunoglobulin G production, which may have indicated uh, an earlier immune development, which makes sense for faster growing animals. They just are developing faster. So if they're uh, gaining more body weight faster, then their immune response is also developing faster. And we uh, also found that the slower growing breed um, exhibited more locomotor, so walking uh, behavior, social behavior, as well as uh, agnostic behavior. There was a little more aggression in the slow growing breeds than the conventional. And uh, also with behavior, it turns out that uh, they didn't like to be orally gavaged because we saw less activity in both breeds after the gavage. That was the main finding with behavior, I think. So were any of those findings a surprise? Not with behavior, I don't think so. Uh, the immune was, response was definitely surprising. I don't think anyone has really directly compared the, um, the circulating immunoglobulins of two different uh, breeds of, of broilers. So that was definitely, um, something that was interesting. So in terms of um, everyday broiler production then, how could these findings be applied? What, what are the practical uses of it? So we think that maybe delineating the differences in the natural and pathogen challenged phenotype of broilers will be useful for uh, the, the broiler industry at large, but maybe for geneticists, for selection or nutritionists, or even just day-to-day -day, um, grow out managers. So is there a next step to this, this piece of research then? We had to end the study at day 24 of age, which is, you know, about half of the way to market weight for the conventional broilers, at least. And I think that I'd like to uh, do a similar type of study, but take them all the way out to market weight, because we saw started to see some very interesting differences about the time that the study ended. So I'd like to take it all the way out to the end to see um, what persists or changes. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. 
To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com slash join.